Hello and welcome once again, listeners, to the land of the American Scousers, the American Scouser podcast, back with you once again. And I'm joined this evening um, with uh, our, our great, two great writers here we have on board tonight, folks, so it should be a hell of a ride. We have Paul, who does our team ratings. Paul, how are you doing? Good, how are you? And Barack, we've got our... our our main man back on the pod again, Barack. Good to have you back. No, thank you. So, lads, um, yeah, where do we begin with the Palace game? Um, or sorry, the Palace game. We could talk all about the Palace game all we want, right? Seven <laughs> nil, right? Let's go back to the happier times. Um, no, um, WBA West Bromwich Albion, lads. Um, we may as well just jump straight into it. One one, lads. Um, the game much much can be talked about and i'm sure we'll touch on as many subjects as we can here in the next while but the the real takeaway there is the the last gasp save and the last minute from from bobby Firmino's header like it uh, just just talk us through the, the heartbreak the, the levels of heartbreak you were dealing with when you seen the replay and in fact bobby put it right where he's supposed to and the keeper just claws it away. Barack, how heartbroken were you? And can you put it into words? <laughs> I can put it into screams. I already jumped out of my chair and, and cheered, right? Then yeah. with that, I, I was certain this was going in. Um, I, I This was an incredible... I mean, you know, we talk about Big Sam, right? I mean, that was, that was, uh, that was another Sam that made that save. So there's something, I guess, about that. But Bobby did put it in, right? And it's front of the cop too, right? Right in front of the cop. He, he right in front of the cop. Nice downward header, makes it difficult for the goalkeeper. I mean, you couldn't ask for much more, could you? No, really. Uh, I mean, it tells you the game. It's a game of inches, right? Inches, uh, absolutely. And what happened? The cop is supposed to suck the ball in anyway. Where, where, <laughs> where, where was the cop sucking the ball in? Those two, those two thousand <laughs> fans were doing all they could, weren't they? Um, <laughs> but yeah, Paul. I mean, talk us through the full-time whistle there. What what was going on in your mind? I don't know, man. I mean, I was kind of the opposite. I had to suffer in silence because I was in the middle. I was – I had already – so I was opening the bar at the brewery and had – so I had, like, customers and, like, one of the regulars was, like, trying to talk to me and I was, like, doing that thing where I was, like, nodding but looking over his shoulder, you know what I mean? <laughs> when, when like, when Bobby hit that um, – but I think – I think I was so emotionally resigned at that point. Anyway, I'd like already died a thousand deaths. You know what I mean? Like I'd like watched us dominate this thing and then just sort of slowly deteriorate. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I think I felt my heart like sort of in my throat when that happened. Um, and then you just have that, like that, like pity your stomach, like shit feeling like, um, so I wasn't completely shocked that it didn't go in because it just seemed kind of like one of those days, you know what I mean? It felt, uh, as dominant as the first half felt like it almost felt like the titch, uh, or the, the pitch tilted. Right. And it was like uphill. So I wasn't entirely shocked, although obviously I wanted it. I wanted it for us. I wanted it for Bobby too. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look, it's, um, it's hard to take that, that kind of, that kind of draw feels like a loss. Um, and it, in many ways, it feels like a win for West Brom. Um, 
the game itself, like you you were saying, Paul, seemed a bit against us. We were we were we were trying, um, getting balls in, and and Klopp even pointed it out in his pressers after the match. And you know, we were we were putting balls in. We were just kind of standing there, and you know, the, those crosses weren't working. There were some great crosses that just seemed to be nobody in there at the right time, you know. So it it was kind of disappointing. But um, clubs, well, I, club, you go ahead, Brack. Yeah, I, I just, you know, this is not like I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not Jorgen Klopp or, or anything like Jorgen Klopp. But come on, give me a break. You see them playing what? Were they playing what? What five five zero against us in the first half? It was ridiculous. Don't you want? Don't you want to? Don't you want to put in um, a long range shooter on the pitch a little earlier than the 80th minute? I mean, where was Ox? Why was he? Why was he not brought in for this kind of game? Somebody who can kind of unlock the that insane uh, defense. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta do that. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's not trying to to criticize Klopp. It's more like I, at the halftime, I was sure Ox was coming in precisely for that reason. Yeah, and it. Once he did come on, um, you could see he had some drive. He he wanted to affect the game. Um, he had a couple of shots. It just didn't really come off for him. And, you know, perhaps you're right, Bragg. Maybe had he been on the pitch a wee bit earlier. And obviously he's, he's just coming back from God knows how many injuries. And, you know, he, so he's not fully back. But it was good to see him nonetheless. Uh, good to see him get on the pitch and, and that famous ox drive, you know, that head down, that that uh, knack for goal. It, it was good to see. Um, but yeah, could have could have probably done with some more time. Yeah, just just to just to get the long shot threat. Um, and then you have, I mean, that's, you know, we, we talk all the time about how amazing Fabinho is in in central defense. But, you know, he also has a terrific sniper rifle in his in his right foot right i mean oh, he yeah. can he can strike him from 25 30 yards out like like you know like it's nobody's business and again we miss we miss that when he's playing in the back so a lot of our long-range threat goes away when with with him being in the back and uh, in a game like this we gotta you gotta restore it but what do you say to salah's miss i mean forget firmino you know he put it in right yeah salah had a sitter of a header there if, yeah, fifty minutes before then. Yeah, I mean, Paul, Paul, what, what do you, what do you think? Salah's miss. I mean, yeah, I mean, there. I was kind of the story of the game. It's just we had chances. They just like we were either wasteful or couldn't get it. You know, put put things together at the right time, and you know that happens. But like, I keep going back to like in my mind we're up one nil versus a low block defense. That's zero threat. As long as we're in their half, Correct. like the, the only way that they're the only way that they're a danger, the only way that they're a threat at all at any point in this game is on the break. Or if we start turning the ball over and so like, we can talk about missing our chances for sure. But like, I thought where we lost that game was when we started getting desperate for a second that we didn't need. Yeah. Like, like for me, like what we did in the first half where we dominated possession and we're happy to just shift it from the side to side until we found an Avenue, until we found an alley, until we found the space between the gaps between where we started to play the half spaces. Like, 
there's really two ways that you can look at a low block system. You could beat it from the wings or you can try to play the channels and the half spaces. And to me, the only way that, you know, I was disappointed in Trent because I felt like he got really one dimensional and just started pumping balls into a box that had nine guys in there. And like, for me, like beating a low block system from the flank or from the wing only works in transition. If you're parked already, like you have to play the half spaces and that's where we were dangerous first half. Like when we started really forcing the issue and trying to play these magic balls, like across multiple spaces in, in, in pump balls in from the flanks, that's when we started creating opportunities by having like them just knock balls out into space that they could run into. And like, I just think that, I think that they did exactly what they wanted to do. They kept it close and they frustrated us and they thought like if they held on close long enough, we would lose patience. And we did, we got impatient and we, and like, to me, that's when we lost it. And like, you know, we talk about Klopp's charisma and how like contagious that is for our team. Um, there's been this recent trend and I, you know, obviously I love Jurgen, but like, to me, it seems like there's this trend where like his frustration and his anger at certain situations and games when the game starts to come into the balance is bled into the team in a really negative way. Um, and for me, like, you know, his anger at some of those calls is probably for us frustration with Matip coming off all that sort of bled into the team. And like, we started pressing in a way and pushing for things I didn't think we needed to do. Yeah. I think so you'd, uh, you'd have been uh, happy if we basically played it out. Huh, Paul? Yes. I, I mean, I think that that's, I think when you have a lead on a low block team to win dirty, there's nothing wrong with it. Whether there's an opportunity for to bleed it out. We're up one. No, I, yeah, there's nothing wrong with a one nil draw like or a one nil victory. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't, I didn't see why we needed that second goal so desperately. Like if we would have just parked it in their half and pass it around, and look for the half spaces like we did first half, I'm fine with the three points. Yeah. I mean, and look, that's why when I, when I seen in our little private chat, we were scheduling this podcast and I seen we had, we had Barack join us and we've got Paul. This is, this is the sort of the, the American Scouser analytics crew here. And, and that's, that's the, uh, the type of caliber, caliber you boys have um, when you're talking about the game. Me, I just waffle nonstop bullshit until I eventually uh, say something right. Um, but no, it's, it's, um, it's entertaining. It's a, it's, a good, it's a good juxtaposition you, you guys both have because, you know, Paul, you're saying uh, the, the game management wasn't necessarily there. And I can see that. And, and Barack, you're also saying that um, we had our chances that we perhaps should have scored more. And I'm, I'm hearing that. I believe that. I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, well, it's, I, just, I, it's just one of those things. Like when they, when they set up to play that game and, and you said, you know, Big Sam, we, we can talk about Big Sam. Like he's got a hell of a record against Liverpool. Uh, I think I remember reading. Well, all the, he's, he's got, got a hell of a record against all the big six. Yeah, negative good. football and all the rest of it. I I hate his brand of football. Uh, we spoke about him in one of the podcasts last time. He's one of those guys you hate or you love to hate. You know, he he, he you lo- you hate him so much you almost like him that tiny little bit. And you know, he is a character, but his brand of football, uh, especially around Christmas time, keeps teams up. And he, he was there to make life difficult for us. And he certainly did. Um, I definitely get Paul's points of view. Like first half, we were trying to break them down and get around the back. And 
and the second half they they kind of um, stuck to that same tactic and and put everyone behind the ball and and afforded one man to go up front and afforded two men to go up front for ten minutes. You know, it was um, it was frustrating to watch, uh, especially. Um, on the Sunday after Christmas. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, putting putting myself outside of being a, a Liverpool fan, right? You know, uh, just, uh, just thinking about this, it works. Clearly it works. You know, uh, um, Big Sam won't have the record he, he does have if he wouldn't have it. If, if this doesn't work, he does it extremely well. You know, at the same time, we all know that he does it extremely well. So to Paul's point, yes, we could have played it out at the same time. I don't know that this Liverpool team knows how to do that. This is yeah, not, it's not not in their DNA. It's just not in the DNA, right? Think about the Atletico game in, in last year, right? The, that second Atletico game, you know, yeah. where, where, you know, it kind of is a similar situation to some degree. You got to stay more patient, but it was very frustrating. And you got that second goal and 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 instead of trying to protect it you're you know you you end up giving three away right so uh uh it's sort of i don't know that it's in this team that this team can do that so i think we're both coming at it from the same same you know to, to the same conclusion just from a different direction for me it was pretty obvious that we're not going to gain get any real chances going from the going from the flanks right this was not a right. game from from for trent or robo to get assists it simply wasn't right yeah. you know it's there's no it's no wonder that the goal we did get came from Matip passing on to Mane straight along the the, the center line of the pitch right what a what a uh, pass and what a touch by the way what a pass and what a touch yeah I mean that was incredible but that's that's why I'm saying you know okay well you know you that's only going to happen team. every once in a while yeah well but if you accept that this team is not going to just be able to sit on a one one nil lead then add some long tank long range threat and because from the center because you're not going to get in from the flanks it's just not right. going to happen right so we and, just come at the same conclusion from a different direction i think exactly and, and i think that's a fair i think it's a fair point i mean i i guess i didn't really think about you know whether this team is capable from a mindset standpoint of just bleeding a game out <laughs> being born being born james milner <laughs> yeah i'm like i'd like that for me that like I guess for me, I think, why can't you do that? But then I think about when we're at our best and when we're most effective, and it's, you know, you're probably right. But that's I mean, when you get 7-0 yeah. versus Crystal right. Palace, right? <laughs> but right, I seem exactly. to remember Milner making that sort of statement uh, last year, like, we need to know when to be boring, you know? So I can definitely see that point. But, um, yeah, let's let's talk about the Mane goal for a minute because it was something else. Like, we, we can't just glaze over that. Um, oh quite early on, I think it was the 12 minute mark, wasn't it? It was something around there. But um, as you said, Barack, Joel just fires in a ball, just straight down Mane's throat and one touch straight off the chest and he's in and it's a goal. one touch, one, one shot, one goal. Um, brilliant effort from Mane. And, you know, if you would have said this, uh, and I think Jurgen Klopp said words to this effect as well, if you'd have told him that he was on a nine game barren streak um before the palace game you know he wouldn't have believed you um uh, because that's the type of player he is he, even when he's not in amongst the goals he's he's still a, a top 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 performer not just for us in in the world football like he's he's definitely in the the top five best footballers in the world conversation i would say well he's definitely the most consistent we have yeah when you think about it that way right 
Yeah, absolutely. But but you know this was yeah it was an incredible goal and go look at the 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 goal he had against Palace that was similarly incredible goal right it's they're all this like in, amazing first touch and then and that one touch it, brings him right in front of goal every time you know it's wow it's, mad. <laughs> it's electric for him it it's like everything's in slow motion for Mane you know he he really is the flash yeah but, I remember uh, the goal what was it I, I think it was. Um, well, it was against uh, Chelsea, I think, uh, with the Balaga, where he suddenly popped out of nowhere. I know it? the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the, 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 the weird one where he's, he's, he's just jumped out of nowhere. To yeah, and just bundles that, it in. Right, and then and you just... He, it's just, he read it. You actually look that little jump that he does when he uh, first lost the ball. And, you, you know, if you go back to that game and you see him kind of looking and saying, oh... This is what's going to happen. Nobody chance, else was yeah. seeing it. Nobody yeah. else was seeing it, right? You know, so he 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 does that. I mean, he knows it's, it's the anticipation, and he, he gambles yes. as well a little bit, and you yep. know, just a yep. great player. But uh, I I read a stat um, at the halftime and couldn't believe it. Jordan Henderson completed thirty nine more passes than West Brom did in the first half. Jordan Henderson had eighty five passes. West Brom had forty six. Um, and, you know, that alludes back to what you were saying, Paul. We were really trying to turn the screw on them in the first half, and we just couldn't continue in that same vein in the second, could we? Uh, no, I mean, we couldn't. I, mean, think, I think at some point, I think when I pulled it up, like 35, 40 minutes into the game, we were on, <laughs> we were on pace for almost 900 completed passes in the match which is insane, right? I mean, it's like, it's insane. So is that sustainable? No, but like, you know, I still think that we could have done that in the second half to a degree. I think where we got in trouble was when we just started trying to pump balls in from the flanks, like we, we've already touched on, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got it for me, it's like when we were trying to occupy half spaces and push it through the middle, you know, obviously Sadio gets the goal in a similar fashion. We just, you know, pumped it in from, from the middle. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would have liked to see more of that in the second half. Um, you know, whether it was sustainable to that degree is to do, to that degree is probably arguable. But yeah, I would have liked to see more of that for sure. And I've got a, a post-match quote here from Robbo, and he says, basically, once you get slack, you get you get what you deserve. Once you once you you know start eventually making mistakes, you 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 will get punished. And he says West Brom stuck to their game plan. They wanted it to be one nil for as long as possible, like like we were all saying there. And um, credit to them, Robbo says, but all of us made mistakes in the second half, which can happen. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm not here to sit. I don't think any of us should sit here and be like, oh, well, he done this and he done that, and that led to the goal. And, you know, you see all this stuff on online. People are already trying to give Curtis Jones grief for not getting rid of the ball. And he's a kid, you know, that, 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 that's going to happen. And, and he's going to learn from that. Um, yeah. Like Robbo said, a lot of mistakes were made, but is there any point sitting here dwelling on them? I mean, we can, we can talk about them, but I just, for, for the general public, for those toxic people online that probably don't listen to the podcast, just give it a rest, you know? <laughs> 
Well, I mean, the players are going to go play. They don't care, right? I mean, they care, but they're just going to make themselves better. That's the cool thing about this team. We get to sit here and kvetch about, you know, whatever things may, may or may not have happened. Mm-hmm. They're all humans. Look, you know, I always go about that, the psychological aspect of the game, right? Yeah. This is how Big Sam does it, right? This is how he does it so well. You know, the whole idea is that any team you play against, no matter how good, um, if you can disrupt them for long enough, at some point towards the end of the game, you know, tiredness is going to set in. They're going to make a couple of mistakes. And if you have conserved your energy up to that point so, and, and are fully aware that this is going to happen and are capable of taking advantage of that one or two, one or two mistakes, right? Then ever so often, you're going to steal a result. That's what he does. This is the... The Sam Allardyce, you know, game plan. And yeah, he plays Sam it over. Masterclass, if you right? will. And, and you play it over and over and over again. Doesn't always work, right? Sometimes you're going to get five in the net before you even have time to breathe. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to get a game like this where it's one nil and you have disrupted well and you have played five, five, zero for an entire half. And, and the other team is getting a little frustrated and is pushing it, even though it shouldn't, like Paul pointed out. And then the mistake comes and bam. You know, you stole a number, you stole, you stole yourself a point you didn't deserve. That's, that's the whole thing. And, uh, you know, we're all human. It's, I don't think it's, I don't think that, 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 you know, that Liverpool, even if somehow Liverpool had the mindset, which it doesn't, of being able to play defensively the second half. And I don't think that's in the, the DNA again. Even then, they're still going to get tired. They're still going to get frustrated. I mean, think about it. It's like a it's like a training grounds thing, right? You know, yeah. you're just you're constantly being given the space. What are you going to do there? Are you really going to spend forty five minutes passing it around on the, back. the pitch, <laughs> yeah. passing around the back? I mean, it's gonna you can't even. It's hard to do as a player, even if you know that that's the right thing you should do. You know, in theory, yeah, it's just mentally. hard to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I guess um, what I'm trying to get at, Paul, is there there were mistakes made, um, but you know a lot of the the mainstream media will will put that draw down to as Barack saying the the Sam Alderdice masterclass, you know, or you know is that did we play into their hands? Did we make it easy for them? Were we not at our A game? All of those things could could possibly be all true. Um, yeah, I just feel like slating Curtis Jones at this early stage in his career is just a bit much, you know? I mean, I think that's human nature. Like, we always want to find something super easy to blame, right? So, like, the easiest thing to do is look to one person on the side of the team, one sort of one sort of incident in the game, you know what I mean? If it wasn't, if it wasn't him, it was, you know, Fabinho getting beat on the corner or was it like VAR missed the foul on Fabinho on the corner or it was why didn't we have somebody big in the center so we could cross him in the middle you know it's always like excellent one one thing I think it's easiest for supporters to find one thing to grasp onto to explain why what should have happened didn't happen right so I mean I think that's part of human nature and I think part of it's a lack of education in, in 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 tactics and game but I think it's just it's also human nature. I mean, yeah. like in a broader spectrum, right? When things aren't going well for the team, it's always down to one player, whether it's Henderson shouldn't be the captain or Dejan Lovren's too mistake prone or like, you know, it's, it's been that way forever. Yeah. All, all the, uh, 
all the old adages coming out and play tonight, folks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, let's, you know, let's talk. There's also, Sorry. there's also an element of reversion to the mean. I mean, look at those two games back to back, right? The 7-0, Sellers Park, right? That was an incredible thing. The team, you know, the first half against against uh, WBA, yes, you know, and, and that game versus versus Palace, they were at the same level of intensity. The team was doing roughly the same things. In one one of those games, it was you know everything worked and it went really really well. And in one of those games, everything didn't. You know, ultimately the median is four zero in each one of them, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, it, it, at the end of the day, you also wasn't that far even against the the, the, the game this weekend, right? I mean, the, the that Henderson shot, right? It could have yeah. gone in. It wasn't yeah. that far out. First half, the Mo got a ball and he kind of adjusted his body and he fired one right over the, the the crossbar. But it was super close. Yeah. Right. You know, any of those things goes in because of an inch on on the on the placement of the laces on the ball. Right. You know, suddenly it's three four, four three nil four nil, and yeah. you know the big. We're talking Sam about a different looks, game completely. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Big Sam Sutton doesn't yeah. look so big. Right. So yeah. sometimes it's also just a matter of these little things. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. Ultimately, they average out. But it just you know, it gets these, this this weird effect of of a seven nil and then a one one and you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we <laughs> we gotta have a little fun at Big Sam's expense because I'm sure he's having a, a little fun at our expense oh, yeah. after all that. Um, but yeah, when you when you line up with a six four zero formation or a five five zero formation, you're I mean, you're gonna get some grief and look. Big Sam deserves a bit of grief from us after that. Like, look, we didn't we didn't lose. We haven't lost our winning streak at our our undefeated streak at Anfield. Yeah. Which, if that had have happened, I feel like the gates of hell would have opened and closed behind us all. Um, at, what are we up to? Sixty eight now? What is it? Sixty eight. You're. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's mad that it was Big Sam because it was Big Sam. Um, that was our last loss at Anfield, I believe, um, yeah. 2017. So that's, it just seems like a lifetime ago. Uh, April 23rd, 2017, the last time Liverpool lost a league game at home. 1,344 days, lads. That's not Three years, eight months, 66 matches have passed since then. And then we played uh, Sam Alderdice on Sunday. But yeah, like I said, uh, we are still top of the table. Hold on to our unbeaten record at home. So it's, it's and not everybody all else and gloom. Dro- everybody else dropped points too, right? I mean, you see these draws, they're all yeah. over the place. <laughs> We're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a wonky, wonky year. I mean, you talk about like, I think we forget, you know, in our in our bubble as supporters, like we forget that these, these players are going through a pandemic as well. Like... Mm-hmm. Training's different. Travel's different. Every like injuries are everywhere. Um, you know, soft tissue injuries. It's just a wonky, wonky year. No one's gonna run away with it. Everyone's like, I mean, I feel like I feel like six of the last eight matches or something crazy like that have been draws. Like, I mean, it's just you got Everton City postponed hours before kickoff today. Yeah, it's just gonna be a it's gonna be a wonky year. And you know what? Why not? Like. Last year, it was such a blessing, not obviously because we won. Champion! <laughs> but uh, it, 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 felt like, it felt like we'd already won it. 
it felt like it was taken away from us. Then we won it again. And then it still felt like it was still taken away from us a wee bit with no fans there. So in a way, to have this season be such a mental adjustment, why not? You know, it, it, yeah. you wouldn't have it any other way. Um, it would obviously be nice to run away with it, but sure, you know, why not enjoy this mental period with everybody else <laughs> down in the dirt? If we're all getting... You know, dirty, down dirty in the in the dirt. Uh, we may as well drag everyone else with us. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's a, a mental season. I, I dare say it's going to have a few twists and turns left in it. Um, definitely a long way to go. Usually around Christmas time, it's kind of nearing the halfway point. We're almost there. We're we're a little behind schedule season wise, usually. So it'll be nice to get. Um, well. Now that you're saying, now that I'm thinking that it's January and transfer season right around the corner, and we've certainly got a podcast's worth there to talk about uh, if the um, centre back situation doesn't soon clear up. So we could talk a wee bit about that, lads. Um, obviously, with all the injuries at the centre back position, it seems to become a necessity now. Whether you're in the yes camp or in the no camp as a fan, it seems to be like we absolutely need um, some quality of centre-back brought in in January. Um, I'm assuming you're both on board with that idea, right? For the most part. <laughs> I, I am. Yeah, I am. Uh, I mean, here's the deal, right? So on confirmed sources leaking it at Matip's out three to four months. I mean, so I say unconfirmed, pretty shaky rumors. So my guess is it's probably half that. But either way, whether he's out for a week or four months or the rest of the season, he's proven to be fairly unreliable from a health standpoint, which is honestly pretty shocking because when he came from Schalke, the two things that we expected were that he was going to be an aerial presence on set pieces and that he was healthy. Like yep. he, he did he had barely any injury history coming in. Um, so when you've got Gomez out for at least a year, Van Dyke out for at least a year, and then your third best option is unreliable. And then you've got what you've got kids. Nate Phillips was on his way out until this year. He, they were shopping him to leave. So mm-hmm. he was hitting the transfer window. Um, and then we got Reese Williams. who was like, what, like 11 divisions down last year like playing with a bunch of grocery baggers. So like, I mean, uh, you've got to have, I think I would be shocked if we didn't go in with somebody uh, as uh, a pretty significant replacement in the window. Yeah. And and that's it really. Like our third choice uh, is um, made, made of glass, made of biscuits, as I've seen the lads back home talk about. Um, I feel for him. I really do. Uh, Barack, I think he's a, a great player but if he if he can't hold down a spot we're gonna have to look elsewhere really aren't we oh i i yeah you know the question becomes do you buy a really expensive player that's at their prime do you play by a young player which is kind of going to disrupt the the evolution of of reese williams and and nick phillips at this point right we're both showing tremendous promise or do you buy a, a senior player that maybe has one or two more years in them and just give them a big contract might cost you a little bit less up front 
right? And and you know, next year you're gonna have uh, Virgil come back and Gomez come back. It's it's hard, but definitely gotta you gotta buy somebody. I I am not inclined to say that we need to buy a player at their prime or near their prime with a for a lot of money. I think the last option is probably the best one. Getting somebody who's uh, who's very experienced. Um, a still carbon, has a, a carbon type, yeah, 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 one or two years so, in them. So I was I, that's that was my line of thinking until yesterday. In fact, I was fine with not buying anyone until yesterday, until I saw Matsub go down again. Um, and the reason that I would rather see us go fairly big on this is because we don't know what Joe Gomez is going to look like coming back. Like. I feel more comfortable with Van Dyke, even though his injury was, you know, a devastating one, just based on his makeup and his, in, in what we've seen so far, the Gomez has got, he's had a, some pretty significant injuries to his Achilles now to both knees. Um, and I'm not as confident in what he looks like coming back as I am Virgil. Hmm. Well, yeah. And when you think about two very significant pieces of the defensive pie, that are coming off fairly significant injuries without any guarantee on what that looks like coming back. I would rather us go see, go get Kanate, open Meccano, um, any of these young big guys. I know they're going to be expensive. I know they're going to come with a premium and I know that we're not at our best bargaining position. Like we generally tend to be going into these, but for me, it's, it's a calculated risk. I'd like to see us take just based on, little reassurance of what we're going into next year with these players coming back. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, both, both sides of that coin, I'd, I'd be fine with as long as we get some sort of, some sort of cover in there, because I, although I think the kids can do somewhat of a job, um, it was, it was easily, and it, it has been easily visible when you have um, Madup and Fabinho together. And Fabinho, as we know, not uh, not a, a traditional centre back, but is plying his trade there quite well, and learning from the people he's beside. The problem is when you take that professional centre back out from beside him, it it it's evident that he that you know he he's not a one man show. He's not Virgil Van Dijk, um, and not not to mention that it's it's detracting from his prowess in midfield as well. Um, yeah, it's just a mad state of affairs we're in with so many centre backs out. It's just crazy, unheard of, really. Um, I hope to God it sorts itself out soon because we can't keep losing <laughs> centre backs, can we, lads? <laughs> um, so we may as well. Whilst, whilst we're on centre backs, um, Barack, I'm going to have to bring up the elephant in the room um uh-huh. so barack does a, a great column um post-match <laughs> guys uh for those who don't know go go on to americanscouser.com and, and read them really great articles um but this one entitled sam's club which you know lovely title um but you're not gonna be uh endearing yourselves to to many hardcore liverpool fans this week are you barack no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I, you're referring to me. You're referring to me picking men of the match, giving it to Furlong, who not only not damn only, it, Barack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
not only did he play his typical game, which means that, you know, in at least a couple of notable occasions, he pretended to be fouled in, in, uh, in, uh, in a Nimer-like fa fashion, right? And succeeded. Yeah, the dark arts was strong with that one. Dark arts, exactly. He did it extremely well, though. But he's also, I, I put him as the primary reason they weren't down, you know, three or four at, uh, at halftime. But thing, you know, to, to some degree, Furlong is is sort of the 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 epitome of of Big Sam system, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's he works really well in that system, which is extract every advantage you can with a little bit of um, <clears throat> a negative flair or or flair shit housing flair, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, I the reason I did that is I I was thinking, look, I I mean, it worked. First of all, it worked. And for it to have worked as well as it did against players like Mane, like Robo, you know, where where he was mostly uh, uh, causing them, these were these are these were Liverpool's greatest threats, right? I mean, that left side because because Trent is not on it this season yet. He's just not. I mean, his passes are just not. They don't have the kind of accuracy that 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 Trent had last season, and that's that's clearly evident. So, and in contrast, Robo's on fire. Robo is on fire and Mane is great pretty much every game. He's, he's just so consistent, but you know, he was there and he was the, the main reason that they didn't, you know, that Mane didn't get more than one or, or what have you. Um, and he also joined in to frustrate Firmino plenty often. So, I mean, it worked well, the, the, the theatrics worked well and where he, one of our players and we somehow got a, got a, you know, a result because of something like that would be, We'd be putting him on a pedestal. So, uh, you know, yeah, I could have picked Robo. I could have picked Mane. I could have picked, you know, one of our guys. But, you know, that that was the kind of performance that you hate. You absolutely hate when you're on the opposition side, which happens to be us in this case. And if that's the case, then I wanted to be honest and say, you know, I, I got to acknowledge this. Just like I'm giving credit to Big Sam for something I absolutely hate. Yeah. That, that was executed well. Very magnanimous of you. Very <laughs> magnanimous. It may may not color color yourself in glory with with some of the uh, the old faithful, but you know, you're absolutely right. Credit where credit's due. Um, they they done all right. But the reason why I bring it up is not not just to throw salt in your wounds, but um, if you were forced, if you were the man in charge, if you were Michael Edwards and you were out there looking for a Premier League tried and tested centre back, like a Connor Cody type or a furlong type, if we're gonna push the boat out that far, who who would you who would you steal from from a Premier League club? Let's say not in the top six, you know? Oh well, because so I can't still like Laporte or <laughs> it'd be too easy, wouldn't it? That would be that would be too be way too easy. Well, I mean, what's wrong with Connor Cody? I mean, he used to belong to us, right? Exactly, and, and <laughs> come I, back and, home and has matured a lot since then. Yeah. Paul, would would you take Cody back, or well, well, we know you want to spend a bit of money, but would you take Cody back as well as Upa Makano? Why not? I I personally don't think Cody's good enough. To be quite honest, I mean, that's just my opinion of of his game. Like. <sighs> In a, in this, a pinch, this, though, in a pinch, this, would you would you need? Would, could you see somebody like that coming in? I mean, yeah, because he's a local lad, and I think there's a, a large. I just, I don't know how we as a club rate him. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Like, you know, well, we let it. We let him go, right? So we right. Know so that's him. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. But yes, that's true. Um, but I mean, I think, I think there comes a point in these kids' careers where we let certain people go. 
um, because they haven't developed to the point where we want them yet. Right. And I think Cody was sort of that, that type now. Um, I, yeah, I don't see him at a level that that's, that's, I don't think he's like his talent level and his production level isn't, isn't that much better in my opinion than some of our Academy kids might be, you know, as they continue to develop. And that's the thing, like for me, if I'm looking at somebody outside the top six, and this is going to seem like a total cop out um, just based on our transfer history. Um, Vestigard looks pretty good, man, at Southampton. Yeah. I know that's a club that we've just pillaged over the years. <laughs> yeah, and, we're, and we're, I, we're probably bond. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it seems like, yeah. it seems like a cop out to pick anybody from that team, but man, he's big. He's quick. He's good in the air. He's good positionally. I mean, if I had to pick somebody, you know, like not off like probability, but just off, if you were to make me pick, that's probably who I would pick. Yeah. I would, I would honestly like the the Cody answer was more like, hey, you know, you mentioned him is a scout. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like I, it was just an example. If you were to ask me, if you were to ask me, the the you know maybe not a popular option as well, but I'd go for Willie Bolly from from Wolves. Yeah. Um, I think he would fit well in our system. He's plenty fast, and um, you know, he just he seems to be the kind of kind of player that would work. And he's you know he's developed. He's fully developed. We know what we get from him. Uh, he puts in hard work every single game. I think is one of the one of the reasons that Wolves do you know punch above their weight fairly regularly, and uh, we might be able to get him for a mere fifty or sixty million, as opposed to uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> plus, you know, we'll, uh, plus he'll be in Afcon too, so we can just ship our entire team. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's true. Not all on one airplane, obviously. You know, the six feet apart. So, we'll, we'll have two airplanes. We'll send the plane six feet apart. <laughs> flying in formation yeah. Um, but yeah lads uh, the game itself uh, we pretty much talked it to, to death um, up next is the midweek game um, we've got Newcastle on Wednesday um, so we're traveling up to 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 Geordie land lads Newcastle's always one of them games where it's like it's a it's on paper it looks like a good game and in the back of my mind i've always got those four threes from the 90s buried in there and i'm always waiting for the next four three or the the next big newcastle game because i've got quite a lot of geordie mates and quite a lot of mates in ireland who like newcastle as well but especially i've got i think i've got about four or five um mates from newcastle a couple of them with season ticket holders so there's always a lot on the line when it comes to me and the Newcastle games in terms of bragging rights. Um, you got any Geordie mates of your own, lads? Any Newcastle fans? Because they're they're a, they're one of those popular-ish teams, you know, that that seem to make it across the water. There's always a couple of Newcastle fans lying around somewhere. I've got... I don't have any. I don't. I don't have any Geordie friends, thankfully. I mean, <laughs> that accent's incredible, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I still, I still remember the the whole Alan Shearer days, right? I mean, oh yeah, that's, uh, that's the the most boring goal celebration of all time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And he scored, <laughs> he scored over two hundred sixty. He's the league's <laughs> most leading goal scorer. Couldn't uh, think of a bloody celebration. <laughs> yeah, but this uh, this is the thing with Newcastle is this season, right? I mean, this season they're they seem to be in this. They either have some terrific games or they have some awful games. They don't seem to like settle in the middle. 
um, right? I mean, so it's it's this it's this thing where if they if they come in, you know, in with one of those good games, you know, then then it might be a another you know another nail biter if they come in as they've been playing when they lost 5-2 to Leeds or or um you know that uh the the the, the Brighton game I think yeah I mean right you know then um then it becomes a whole different story and we can get another blowout like we did against Palace I don't think it's going to be anything in the middle no um and it's uh it'll be it'll be good to get the cobwebs passed us from from the last game, so it's nice that the game is midweek, Paul. I think because um, we can just kind of dive straight into a new challenge. Um, I think always going to Newcastle, it's always a bit of a bother because more often than not, the lads will probably get um, well. Back in the day, they sort of used to get the buses nonstop. They'll probably get a flight up to Newcastle, um, but it's always a bit of a weird one because it's it's like a 50 minute flight, you know? So mm-hmm. there, there, there's no probable probability of jet lag or anything like that. Um, for anybody that doesn't know the geology of uh, England, uh, it's straight up the North basically. Um, but yeah, it seems to be traveling away can affect us, but I feel like we've, we've kind of got to step our game up for this because of what Big Sam um, has done to us. <laughs> well, he's not there this time, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, and neither's Rafa. So, uh, you know, uh, the Newcastle fans themselves are, are not having a great time right now either. They're, they're, their games haven't been great, and they're not completely enamored with Steve Bruce. He's not... He's certainly not Rafa Benitez, lads, is he? Like, you know, there's a, a gulf of um, experience there. Even though Steve Bruce has lots of experience, he, he's certainly no... Um, tactical magician like Rafa is. Um, but yeah, it should be a good matchup. But then, um, but and... then again, they had, they, they didn't they draw Spurs and they beat, uh, they beat uh, Everton and like, they had some really good games this season. That's, no, you're probably, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I'd probably They're... be doing them a disjustice there. Yeah. Yeah. They're a strange team. I don't, I don't know that they really have an identity. And I think that's probably, you know, partly plays in their favor when, teams are looking at them. I mean, you've got, you know, they spent big money on Joel Linton who hasn't really done anything mm-hmm. for them. Uh, Cal Wilson has been involved in like something like almost like 85% of their goals, like yeah. in terms of goal involvement. So it's really like, you got to feel pretty confident of, of if you can, if we can snuff him out um, and keep him somewhat handcuffed, so to speak, we should be fine. Um, but it is a, it is, they are a bit of a wild card for sure. Yep. And uh, I'm just actually looking, it says here, so Newcastle are unbeaten in their last four Premier League home matches against reigning champions. So they've won two and drawn two. Um, I wonder who would that be? Uh, well, they, they beat, they, it was two, was it two one up on Everton? They've, well, not champions, sorry. Right. I'm sorry, I'm thinking about this season. Uh, but this season, you're not wrong. Like they got the result against Tottenham. They they beat uh, 
the toffees. So but then, did. then, but then, but then they they like were lost horribly for a member two United, right? It was four four zero or something like that. It was uh, yeah. Yeah, it was like so they're just inconsistent, right? I think Paul's yeah. point is is excellent. They just don't have an identity, so they can come inspired or they can come yeah. blah, and you don't know what's gonna happen. Well, do you just want to? Uh... Let's shall we stick our necks on the line here, lads, and say it'll be. I'll go for a goal prediction of oh, 3 1. Newcastle score first, and we come back and nail them 3 0. 3 1. I'm going to put it as if it, I'm going to put it as the, the, the lads are going to come out of the gate a little upset about what happened yesterday, and, and it's going to be 5 0. Lovely. I will go three one. Happy days. All right. Well, that's not too bad, lads. If we can, if we can stick to the to the guidelines there, club, uh, <laughs> do us a favor. Uh, a nice, nice, comfortable win should be lovely. Um, but yeah, other than that, lads, um, not much else to talk about. There was a few things in the news that I seen. Let me see. Um, Oh no, that was just fantasy league, and fantasy league was uh, absolutely abysmal for me this week. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, like I always say and remind you listeners, if you're in need of more content, we've got the two lads here, Barack and, and Paul. Um, head on over to American Scouser to read those articles and get yourself a good laugh. And uh, don't forget to give Barack some grief on online. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you can, you can give Paul some grief as well if you, if you don't agree with any of those player ratings. But um, stellar work from the two lads. And thanks for joining me again tonight lads great podcast um we'll welcome the listeners back to talk about newcastle on wednesday thanks for joining us boys thanks guys cheers